Welcome to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. This week's episode is in honor of Black August and Amazon August. The former is a decades-long ritual and tradition, and the latter is something I just made up. (laughs) Angelica Maldonado is probably a name you've heard very little or not at all. She was chairwoman, alongside Chris Smalls, of the Amazon Labor Union, which shocked the world earlier this year when they won their union election for the JFK 8 Staten Island Warehouse. So just who is this audacious union organizer fighting like hell from inside the belly of the beast? Well, take a listen to this young lady who grew up wishing she could have been present in the history books she read as a child and ended up making history as soon as she got the chance. Okay, it is Black August. It's also Amazon August. I just made that up. Um, We are sitting here today uh, with one of the leaders and heroes of our time. Uh, You might not know that yet. I'm sitting here today with Angelica Maldonado. You may know her her comrade best, Christian Smalls. Uh, They were, they are, uh, the lead organizers in the effort to uh, unionize Amazon and get the Amazon Labor Union recognized, the JFK 8, I believe, uh, warehouse on Staten Island. Um, And I am over the moon to be sitting here today with her. Um, what's up, Ange? How are you? Uh, hello, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> She's so nervous. It's so funny because I'm an idiot and she doesn't know that yet, but she'll loosen up uh, <laughs> during the course of the interview. Um, so you're fine today. You're doing everything cool. We ain't got to ride out on nobody. <laughs> I ain't got to take the ferry back with you and, you know, let some people know what's up. Baby, not today. <laughs> Um, I was just before we started recording, uh, I let Angie know that I, I, she was her, her, her presence and her, the role that she played in, um, getting the union recognized was, uh, brought to my attention by the masterful interview that Eric Blanc, um, did and Eric Blanc, we've, you know, released that episode, uh, the last episode was with Eric. Um, and as soon as I read it, I, there were just 800 million questions in my brain, like, holy shit, how did she do this? I mean, she didn't do it alone, obviously, but just like, how did she do this? How did she get here? And I was, from that moment, it was just like, I've got to interview her. So thank you so much for um, making that happen. I really, I really appreciate it. Um, okay, let's dive in. You, you born and raised in Staten Island? No, so I was... Um I was born in Brooklyn, New York, oh, okay. Kings County Hospital. Mm-hmm. I moved to Staten Island when I was about, I'll say, nine or ten years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Brooklyn, early early childhood, and then Staten Island. Uh-huh. Right. What was it? What was it like growing up a city kid? Um, I thought everyone grew up as city kids. Yes, and um, so I just thought that if you lived in the United States, you were just raised in the city with a lot of people, a yeah. lot of fruit stands outside. And- <laughs> And the barbecue girls going and jerk chicken smelling in the air. And that's what I just thought. Oh, okay. Um, Did you, like, try and describe your childhood for me. Did you live in a a neighborhood where the families were tight-knit and close? And, like, you knew your neighbors upstairs or next door or down the street? Um, So when I was living in Brooklyn, Uh um, that's how it was. Mm. Um, My mom and my dad, they met each other on the same block that they lived on. Mm. And so um, at the time, my dad was um, the breadwinner in his family. So he lived with his mom and his brothers. Mm-hmm. And my mom had just moved to America from Barbados. And she um, she was living with my aunt, um, taking care of her niece and her nephew. Mm. And so um, <clears throat> having, the fam- having our families on the same block um, up until like I was 9 or 10, mm-hmm. I always grew up like, going to my grandma's house on my dad's side, my mm-hmm. cousins from my mom's side coming with me, uh-huh. you know. Um, and even though it was 
a cultural cultural differences because my dad is Hispanic and mm-hmm. my mom is West Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just still blended very well. Ah, okay. And so, um, where's daddy from? Ecuador. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, did yeah. you understand yourself to be like uh, from from two different cultures? Like, did you did you understand that as a child, or is it just like mm, my dad speaks Spanish, my mom, you know, sometimes cousins amount of Spanish, but you know, that's just family. Like, did it occur to you that you were like quote biracial or whatever? It it occurred to me that I I did come from two different cultures, uh-huh. but my mom she was so she was so pro black yeah. that I didn't really know what biracial was uh-huh. because she she never really tried to distinguish that with me. It uh-huh. was always like she just was focused on the culture. I see. What do you, how do you think you understood your mother's being pro black growing up? Um, wait, like what, what did you, that mean? Um, so, well, what that meant from an early age, what I can remember is that, um, I was just a little bit well-informed well than the average child at my age. About so what? when I was younger, um, from the time I started reading, my mom would buy me, um, Martin Luther King Jr. books and Harriet Tubman books, like the little skinny books for like the pre-K for, yeah, and kindergarten. The uh-huh. And that's what I read on Malcolm X. And, um, I... Even when it came to like, um, you know, being pro-black when it came to our history, but also, um, you know, trying to, um, my mom, she was also very aware of like her health and stuff. Mm. So um, just trying to make sure that I was a vegetarian until I was seven. Oh, really? Yeah, she was like very, she was very... um, She really tried to make sure that she, she, um, she didn't live in a way of like what america the society in america wanted us black people to be she wanted to stick to her roots basically i see see. okay and did you did you uh, did you enjoy like the way your mother kind of brought black history alive to you or or discussed it with you or presented it to you did you like was that exciting or was it like monday it was just the water you swam in you know what i mean like was it just like okay we were talking about another figure this week or was it like ooh, like tell me more mom it was exciting um Mm -hmm. Because that was kind of all I really knew. Mm. Like, I I, kind of was a pretty sheltered child. Um, What do you mean by that? um, I didn't really really know about a lot of things that other than, like, educational things. Uh. So, like, even when I had moved to Staten Island and I, I like, let myself off the leash a little bit Mm -hmm. um, because of the dramatic um, environmental change. Um, Ah, What was the change? So from the block that I lived on in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. it was a regular Brooklyn building, you Mm know. Um, The next block over was like Brownstones. Mm -hmm. Then I moved from there to the projects on Staten Island. I see. So it was kind of different for me. Um, Just... That's just really all I knew. I used to be in the house, um, reading my books... Mm -hmm. And um, going to the library every weekend, going to the botanical garden, the zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, I barely got to, like, only thing I was really watching was, like, PBS or, sure. like, Sesame, Sesame Street. Street. yeah. <laughs> right. So then um, I think that also, the a big reason for that was because my mom, she was... Um, she she was a she stayed home stay at home mom in Brooklyn in Brooklyn oh okay and my okay. dad went to work every day so when they got divorced then we moved to Staten Island I see um she went back to school mm-hmm. and then I got a little bit of free time yeah, okay <laughs> and uh, I explored okay yeah all right what did wh- a couple questions um, all I'm going to do is fucking ask you questions what what did your dad do uh, growing up like what would he do for work. He was a butcher. Oh, okay. All and he right. still is. Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah. Did you, did, did, was that like real? Oh, you were a vegetarian. You couldn't even eat the meat. Right. Uh-huh. But did he eat meat or he was a vegetarian at home too? No, he ate meat. So, okay. um, he would bring home, um, well, I was a vegetarian up until I was seven. Uh-huh. So he would, um, he would bring home meat and then my mom would cook it for him. Mm. And, but then she would cook me something like totally different. Oh, okay, okay. Because yeah. so, that kind of sounds like a dream. If my if I wish my dad was a butcher or I knew a butcher, I would 
fully take advantage. Um, okay. And when your mom went back to school, she was she was stay at home mother yeah. uh, while you were li- living in Brooklyn, and then your parents split up. Um, when you guys moved to Staten Island, she started going back to school. What did she go to school for? Um, when she went to school, she went to school for surgical technology. Oh, whoa. So that is um, assisting the surgeon in the operating room. Oh, okay. All right. Um, and then she, she went into being a surgical assistant, I guess. Um, is that the term for it? No. So so then she worked as a surgical tech for, I'll say, about probably six to seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe about six years. And then and then she went back to school again mm-hmm. and became a nurse. Oh, okay. Right on. Go, Mom. Yeah. Um, were you, when you moved from Brooklyn to Staten Island, like, did you miss the closeness of your cousins? Like, was it a little bit more lonely? Like, there was less family around? Or it would... It would It'd be a longer trip to, I guess, be with family. Was what was that experience? Yeah, like? I missed my family. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. It was. It was you. Did you have any siblings that came with you to Staten Island? Yeah, my little brother. Okay. Yeah, I believe he was like about one or two when we moved to Staten Island. Oh, he's very, very yeah. young. Okay. All right. And you said you let yourself off the leash a little bit. Mm-hmm. Go on and tell on yourself. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> so. um I would say, all right, so I remember I remember vividly um, probably about, like, my first month or two in, in this new environment. My school was probably, like, a block away from, from my project building. Mm-hmm. And um, I had made a friend that also lived in my building, and she was in my class. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, well, one thing always about me, too, that was kind of a blessing and a curse was that I was always a year younger than everyone because mm-hmm. I had... I had skipped the grade when I was younger. Oh, okay. So instead of doing kindergarten, I went straight to first grade. Mm. And um, so I, obviously when everyone found that out, they always thought that, you know, I was just a baby. Sure. And, then, you know, so um, so I had met a friend. And um, I guess there was a girl in class who didn't like my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it had nothing to do with me. I just came to the school, sure. just moved to Staten Island. Yeah. And um, I remember one day, this girl, she was like the bully of the class. <laughs> she was huge. She was, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> she was just, I was just minding my business. And my friend's whispering something to me that had absolutely nothing to do with the girl. I guess mm. she thought it did. And she like, she just like gets up, flips her desk over, flips her chair. Because from, from where I, from the environment I had came from in Brooklyn where I had skipped the grade, I was in a gifted class to coming and moving to Staten Island where I think I was placed in a, in like, uh, like a classified class because I lived in the projects. Like all the project kids was in this class. Oh, regardless of like aptitude or whatever. You know, it was Uh. pretty weird. Like, Mm -hmm. and so, um. And so I think that, like, you know, like, just seeing the difference of, like, like the the environments from Brooklyn to Staten Island, and then I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what did my mom get me into? <laughs> <laughs> so from that point on, um, after that happened, the girl, we didn't fight anything. She just had, like, a tantrum. Uh-huh. I started developing, like, a little bit of a tough exterior. I see. What, so that was, was that... And that was just due to the difference in the environment. Like, yeah. you didn't have to be tough in Brooklyn. Like, you were surrounded by family. It sounds like the school, uh, the, the population of the children was a bit different than what you encountered in Staten Island. But in yeah. Staten Island, you everybody living on top of each other in the projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, the project, all of the children from the projects are, like, put into the same classroom by grade level. And there were some more behavioral issues that you weren't used to. And because of that, it was like, okay, I can't, I, I ain't come down here to be mm-hmm. no punk. So, okay, you want to try it, step right up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and for the most part, like my mom, she is the way she is when it comes to education. But she always told me, if you ever come home and cry to me that you got your ass up, I'm gonna whip your ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's a so that's I a had... OG black mama. Uh huh. Okay. Did you did did your mother notice a, a, the toughening of you? I think it took her a while. Okay. Because I acted like that outside the house. So when I came in the house, I was like sweet old baby girl mm-hmm, still. Mm-hmm. And then um, once I was in school, I was like grilling and added to like, y'all not going to mess with me. I see. I see. Huh. And so that changed. That that started around what? Like fifth grade? I would say, um, well, I got to I got to the school in 
well, I got to school in um, Staten Island in fourth grade. Oh, okay. So I would say it started probably fourth grade. Um, for fourth, fifth grade, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Huh. Okay. Ha. Hmm. And we'll get back to that in a second. Okay. Did you did you have an understanding outside of, for your mother, outside of her uh, being pro black and and very insistent that you learn and understand and be proud of Black history? Did you have any understanding of like her politics? Or did or were her politics just not just but were her politics just blackness and you need to understand your history and you need to get a good education or was it or did there was there a politic that existed outside of that like was she was she always fussing at the the TV when the evening news came on or 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 you know reading the New York Times every day and discussing that at dinner or or anything like that? No, she was um, she was the like, you know, you learn your history and make sure you do it good in school so you can get a good education. Mm-hmm. And I think um, one of the reasons for that was because um, she she had just moved to America. Mm. And she was like one of the one of her first from her siblings, other than my aunt, to move to America. And um, my aunt was focused on working, probably buying a house like traditional West Indian things. Yes. But my mom, she was more focused on like, no, you got, you have to learn the history here. Mm-hmm. And, and she, unfortunately she wasn't, she wasn't in the, in the, um, in the position to find a job and probably save for a house. So in the meantime, she had a child and she like, I guess she just taught me what I needed to know. I see. Okay. And for your father, did he, did you have an understanding of his politics growing up? No, my dad was kind of the opposite of my mom. Mm. So he didn't really teach me about my culture. Mm-hmm. But um, he was more of the one that was like fussing at the news and stuff. I see. Okay. So what like, but what did you understand about his fussing? Like, what were there particular things he would fuss about? Like, was he always, for instance, I don't know. But was he always like, you know, fussing about, I don't know, guns or drugs or immigration or... Uh, voting rights i don't know just what were the things that he would kind of get in a in a knot about um yeah i i believe um it would be like you know um like voting rights Mm -hmm. and um and i i if if i could remember i'm like even after they separate i remember him one time um when um george bush's son was running for president mm-hmm. rerunning yeah and um he was like no he has to he he has to win because he needs to clean up the mess that he made <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just like okay <laughs> you're like that's a take <laughs> yeah. okay so he so he he was he was politically focused but you didn't necessarily understand him to have a particular ideology growing up no no okay um, did your how would your parents have your parents your family your community how would they have described you as a child in Brooklyn versus in in Staten Island I I presume what they would say is oh she's like she's like a sweet girl she's very nice you know bookish in Brooklyn but then you know she she's sweet but don't don't try it <laughs> in Staten Island what what do you think they would say um, yeah so something very similar yeah. I would say. Um, they would say, um, <laughs> yeah, in Brooklyn, I was just a more focused child. Mm-hmm. I had less distraction. Um, and then the Angelica in Staten Island would be um, just, you know, just <laughs> being friends with people and then um, and then having an attitude mm-hmm. and, you know, because so I mean. part of that's being a teenager, no? I, I, I. I think definitely yes, mm. um, but I can say I think that probably um, it. I think for the most part too, it was the environment I was living in. Mm. Yeah, because um, even though I, I didn't really want to have the tough exterior, I just wanted to stay simple and like you know. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people they and as a young girl, like you, you kind of like try to figure out. W- what people expect from you and I think people expected me to be a little bit tough especially when they would see that I would get off the bus at the project building they'd be like oh shoot Angie's from the project (laughs) (laughs) okay all right and you so you played into that expectation yeah okay I did all right how would how do you think you understood class growing up like was it did you understand 
class, maybe and maybe not super formally as a child because we, you know, we're all just playing on the sidewalk and you know, whatever water balloon fights. But <clears throat> did your understanding of class change when you were when you were in Brooklyn versus Staten Island? And like, where did you think that you fit in there, or did you not think about it at all? I think it was probably the transition of when my parents divorced. Mm. Because when I moved from Brooklyn, I didn't move to Staten Island right away. Mm. When I moved to Brooklyn, my mom, she went to a shelter because, mm. like, she left my dad. Oh, she like, did. One day she just got up and she left him, like, Ooh. sporadically. Mm-hmm. And um, we went to the shelter. And um, I think we were there for probably about nine months, maybe. Uh. So once that happened, I think... Well, when I when I first got to the shelter, I knew that's where that class thing came in. Like, uh, I was like, oh, oh, this is like, this is this is the thing that makes me wish I could like open homeless shelters for people. Like, this oh. is what I think about. Like, this is actually real. Uh, and so, like, I think that um, once I lived there for like nine months, mm-hmm. and then I moved to the projects, I was already desensitized. Ah. So I think like once I got to the projects, it was just more of like, well, I'm just glad to be out the shelter. So mm. let me just, you know. I see. If you're comfortable saying, and if you're not comfortable, you can tell me to fuck off. What was what was that experience like living in the shelter and like being a school age child? Like, how did you make sense of it? Or did you? You know what I mean? I don't. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Um. Hmm. I. I, I mean, I I think that like be living in the shelter, I was like I was just still happy that I was with my mom mm-hmm. because like I kind of I kind of like knew why my mom just wanted to leave and sure. like, but at the same time it was I would say it was kind of um, it was kind of difficult because um, like the same way I had to toughen my exterior, like, you know, because the kids would see me coming off the bus and going into the projects. Mm -hmm. I think it was the same way that and I wasn't I wasn't too aware of yet when I was living in the shelter Mm -hmm. that um, I, you know, the shelter kids were like the last stop on the bus Mm. and like. It was like patterns like that that like I think quickly desensitized me in those nine months. When you say desensitized, what do you mean? Um, because by the time I got to the projects, I wasn't really ashamed that I lived in the projects. Oh, I see. So do you so do you mean that you were desensitized to other people's maybe judgments or thoughts about you and in your life? Is that is that what you mean? Yeah, because um, my mom, she's like the conservative West Indian. And of course, so, all West Indian women right, are conservative, right? Uh-huh. And so um, I remember when when we first moved and I and I got into um, and I got into school in Staten Island, my mom was like, you know, um, I think I was going to middle school now, and my middle school was for a little bit further away from than my public school, mm-hmm. and my mom. Um, you know, I got into the right class this time. So, of course, well, in, in her eyes, it's the right class this time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the class was more diverse. It was white and black kids. Uh. And so um, she was like, you know, you're, you're, gonna, you're going to a new school. I would suggest you not to tell your friends you live in the project. Really? And I, in my head, I'm like, Mom, I'm about to tell my friends I live in the project. <laughs> And I did. I, t- I remember I told this, this white girl I lived in the projects. And she looked at me like, and after that, like, she didn't really want anything to do with really? me. Really? Yeah. So did you hide it from, from then on? Or were you just like, okay, well, she's clearly, you know, the fucking loser. So. <laughs> from then on, I was like, oh, this is what my mom was teaching me about. Huh. But did you hide it from then on? No. No, it just you, you knew that that was maybe a reaction you would get. Oh, okay. And you were fine with it? Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, what was what what was school like for you? Like, were you were you a Duke? I mean, I know that you had the rough first year in um, in Staten Island when you first got there, but like, were you a good student? Like, a you know, all A's? Were you like a brown noser? Like, you know, always raise your hand. Right, I got the answer because that was me. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. <laughs> uh, but what type of student were you in school? Um, so I would say up until um. Up until the ninth grade, I was a I was a fairly good student. Mm, okay. Um, I would say, um, when I first moved to Staten Island, I was at my best. So probably oh. up until like seventh or eighth grade. Mm-hmm. What happened in ninth grade to change your schooling relationship with school? 
So let me let me just remember briefly. Um, Ninth grade. I think um, I started seeing more of what Staten Island was like. What does that mean? Because um, so so my so the public school I had transferred to when I first got there, it was mostly just kids from the neighborhood I was in. Mm -hmm. And then middle school was kind of the same thing. And it was kind of like, well, if you weren't. If you weren't from that neighborhood, you were just a white kid. Mm. So it was just like, you know, it was just like... Everybody knew, like, what lines were drawn. Right. Uh-huh. And then um, once I got to high school, it was kind of like... Because, you know, you know, you when you got the high school book and, like, you get to choose what high school you go to. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, kids all over Staten Island ah. who came to, to my high school. Mm-hmm. And then so... um. I kind of like, I kind of released old friends like me and I, me and my friends. We kind of parted our ways, other than like one or two friends. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I I just wanted to experience. I wanted to experience more. I I remember I had a friend um, that I, I think I met in tenth grade, and we stayed good friends up until senior year. And um, I remember she was she was a Haitian girl, mm-hmm. and she lived um she lived in the house. I would go to her house, and um, like I would go to her house because like she would get like the invites to the parties. But I would get the invites too. But mm-hmm. I couldn't really like go if I wasn't going to her house. Sure, my mom liked her, right? But she didn't know that we were gonna go to like a limo party, right? <laughs> right, right, right. So um so like I would go to her house, and um we would like go out. Do limo parties, things that I wouldn't limo do. parties. Like yeah, like um. Okay, so let me. It wasn't like random limo parties. It was like around girl. The what time is a where, limo party? I did not grow up in New York where people would do their like sweet sixteens, and sometimes oh, they like w- in the car. Sometimes they would like rent a limo and like drive around like New York City oh, and go to different places to I eat. See. Okay, so it was kind of like you know, um, and um, like the like childish fancy. party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We okay. thought we were. <laughs> yeah, you thought you was real, real grand. Uh huh. <laughs> so um yeah so thing things like that i wanted to experience things other than going down the block to my friend's house and mm-hmm. so you started partying in high school oh uh, yeah okay mm-hmm. and is does that mean the partying then took up more of your energy your focus and your like your schooling your grades started to slip um yeah why did you say it like that because um, uh, I I think it was like an unconscious thing, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like it was happening, and mm-hmm. I, I think it had more to do too with um. Well, w- once I started like going out into the world more, like my focus changed. Mm-hmm. So like, when I was in tenth grade, I was in the nur- my school had a nursing program. I mm-hmm. think it was probably one out of the two schools in New York who had a nursing program. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in the nursing program. Um, I was getting really good grades. And then um, I didn't, so there was like a, a like um, you were in 10th grade, you were doing these nursing classes mm-hmm. that like nurses actually do. And then at the end of the year, you would take this test and that test will determine whether you will be in a CNA program mm-hmm. or an LPN program. Ah, uh-huh. And um, I guess I, I had I had missed my margin on the test by like three points. Aye. I didn't make it into the LPM program, mm-hmm. and I think that was the point where I was like, you know what, I'm not, I'm never gonna be a nurse. F this. Huh. Like, and then I started like looking into more on my creative side. I see. Okay. Okay. So you were you were disappointed. You were upset. You were disappointed or sad um, about missing the mark to be the LPN. And then you're just like, okay, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to, if I can't have what I want, then, uh, you know, fuck it all. Yeah. Uh, and now you're leaning into your creative side, which meant what? Um, which meant, <laughs> I would say um, the internet, like anything that was creative that has to do with the internet. So music, mm-hmm. I even was trying to like make my own YouTube. Mm. I was like, I was really good at like makeup and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like from my age, like I would like love to do my nails all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, what did mom have to say about this? She didn't like it. Okay. Did she, y'all clash a lot? 
Um, yeah, she didn't like it because I would try to put makeup on. She was like, you're not wearing makeup. I would try to like, I remember one time, like I did like a whole YouTube video and she never found out about it, but I couldn't keep it up because I couldn't be in my room for hours trying to record this video, these videos. And, um, yeah, like she was not the nail thing. She didn't really have a problem with that all, but it Mm -hmm. was the makeup and like, Mm. you know, I see. Okay. Um, Okay. Did you, so you, you're much younger than me. Uh, what what are some of the, do you, what are some of the like formative kind of, uh, uh, memories you have or, you know, around like what was going on in the world or in the country or, or even just in New York city? Like, do you remember any like indelible, uh, events happening? Like, whoa. And that like maybe changed, affected the way you thought about things going on in the world? Yeah, um, yeah, I think the first memory I have was, um, the 9-11 terrorist attack. Yeah, yeah. Um, being, like, you know, ushered out of school by all the teachers, all the kids outside. Oh, okay. You had to evacuate. Yeah, I I believe so. Mm -hmm. We had to evacuate, and, um, I remember my mom picking me up early Mm -hmm. from school. Mm -hmm. This was still in Brooklyn? This was still in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. yep. And, um... And then, you know, I think that's what made me start watching the news ah, myself. Okay. Because you were of, curious about what the was going aftermath. On? I yeah. see. Okay. Because I, I already knew, like, I had an intuition of one thing that was already going to happen. And so I was watching the news. And when I found out, like, you know, it was like Middle Eastern people who were being blamed for it, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, now they're gonna now the people in the world are gonna believe Middle Eastern people, uh, and are, that was something mm-hmm. I didn't really want to see happen. Why? Like, because I knew that um, all people weren't the same. Mm-hmm. At, even at that age, I just knew that um, you know every every culture has their their people that do outrageous things. That's right. And I don't think that everyone in that culture should be blamed for it. Mm, I see. And you were, you had a premonition that that was going to happen and that troubled you as a child. Yeah. Mm, okay. Did you have, did you have friends at that point that were, you know, from that area of the world? Um, my aunt, that is my dad's sister. Mm-hmm. She's married to someone who's from Jordan. I see. Okay. So do you, you got, you got nervous for your uncle and, or sad for your uncle? Yeah, and I have three cousins too that ah, all yeah, carry yeah, yeah. like the the Muslim last name. Mm, I see. And um, and I believe they were going to school in Bay Ridge, where it's like a predominantly like those kind of people, Middle Eastern mm. and stuff. I see. And um, I was just I I was scared for them too. Mm. But I was like scared for everyone of that race. I see. <laughs> yeah. I see. How did you make sense of it though, as a, as a small child? Or did um, you make sense of it? You were you were just scared? Uh, yeah, I was just scared because I didn't really get to. I, I didn't go outside a lot to see what would happen. Sure, sure. You were just like, um, we don't know what's happening in New York right yeah. now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Huh? Okay. So in high school, you started. You you got off the nursing track because you missed the the test, which I think are cruel and need to be abolished by three points. You got more in the creative, like, you know, kind of. Uh, maker space there's a better word for that but like you know you start doing youtube videos about you know makeup and beauty nails yeah that's right that's right were you trying to make earn money oh yeah why did you why what why did you want money just to so you didn't have to like ask your mom you could do whatever you wanted you could go to as many limo parties you wanted <laughs> so i didn't have to live in the projects anymore i see okay you were this was your way of like trying to work up to like getting out mm-hmm. ah okay all right but okay so at the end of high school like what were what were what was your thinking like was the expectation you're definitely going to go to college or like you know i'm going to try again for nursing but you know just outside of the program at high school or this like what was the vision that you had for your life or the desires you had or the goals you had at the end of high school um i i wanted to take a break i didn't want to go to college right away ah why because if I went to college, that means I had to study to be a nurse, and I didn't want to be a nurse. Oh, you completely had it was done. It was done. Okay, you not, not nothing you wanted to go back to. It was done. It was done. Okay. Um, and and if I did go back to college, um, I I was I was willing to like do like if I like um like classes that like everyone had to do mm-hmm. but I didn't want to focus on like nursing classes or anything like mm-hmm. that you were only thinking in terms of nursing you weren't thinking like 
you know, I might, you know, maybe I'll go to college and I'll become a writer or a lawyer. But that wasn't my option because my, mo- my mom was like, you're going to be a nurse. Oh, that okay. Mom's yeah. dream for you was to become a yeah. nurse. But did you did you ever express to her something different? Oh, yeah. And she, but she shot it down. She's like, no, they don't make money. You're not, there's no way you can do that. You have to become a nurse. This is going to be your way to get out. So you can provide for yourself. It works for everyone. It'll work for you. I see. What did, what did you express to her that she wanted to do or Uh, study? I told her that, um, if I can't do my creative things, then I wanted to do journalism. Oh, okay. I mean, she didn't lie. Journalists do not make any money, but I, but, but that was what you wanted to do. Yeah. Okay. So you took, you, you want to take a year off. So after graduation, what, like, what was the, what happened? What was going on? I went to college. Oh, she, she made you. So you couldn't skip a year. Yeah. She made you go to school. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, she did. (laughs) Where'd you end up going to school? Um, Megar Evers College in okay. Brooklyn. Okay, all right. Um, for nursing. Um, yeah. So that I had to take um like my freshman classes. Yeah, general like. But studies. I didn't last that long. What do you mean? What happened? <laughs> I like made it to like the end of that year, and like I was like, I'm not doing. I don't want to be in school. Uh huh. I know. Was it just, was it like drudge work? Like, was it drudgery? Like your heart really wasn't in it. And it's just like, I'm just doing this. So my mom will just not, you know, work my nerves every single day of my life. I'm just doing this for her, but I'm completely like empty. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, and she, but she still just kept encouraging you. Just, this is what you have to do. Yeah. I think, I think the reason I even lasted so long, cause I probably would have been done after like the second semester, mm-hmm. um, was I had a I had a professor named um, Professor Green in in Mega Evers College, and he was like, I really liked him because he kind of like resonated with my childhood, and he always spoke on Black history, mm-hmm. and so like I always wanted to like when I went into into college, I was I used to be like, oh, I can't wait to Mr. Green's class. Mm-hmm. Was he? What did he teach? Um, I believe it was like. I believe it was like a like a literature English or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Were there other courses that you enjoyed, even though you were not thrilled about being on the nursing track? Um, freshman seminar was cool. Okay. All right. Freshman <laughs> freshman seminar and Mr. Green's course. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you, after a year, you said, "Nah, I'm good." Uh, so it was the plan. Like, what was that conversation like with your mother? Or you just didn't tell her, and you just did your own thing. And she was, uh, I was kind of like, I was on probation at one point in school because I was like failing my other classes except for Mr. Green's class. And oh, really? Seminar. Yeah. Okay. So I just like, I didn't want to go. Uh-huh. And um, she she had found out and she was just like, so you're just not going to go to school? And then she was just like, after she, she just didn't want anything to do with it. She's like, you just failed out anyway. Like, mm. I don't even want to hear about it anymore. Oh, now. wow. I would say probably about a couple months later, I actually, like, left my mom's house sporadically mm. and moved in with my friend. Oh, okay. Because you just, you wanted your independence, you need to get away. Okay. Mm-hmm. How, what was the, uh, that taste of freedom like for you? Oh, <laughs> it was like, it was the summer to, it was like the few months in summer to, like, never forget. I was just like, What do you mean? What happened? What? We had, like, house parties every mm-hmm. Friday, barbecues. Um, just um, just doing things on my own time. Okay. Yeah. Nobody hounding you. You no. get to kind of just do things at your own pace. About what year is this? I would say it was probably 20, maybe 2013. Okay. The Your Summer of Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So 2013. How did you, were you... After everything you've been through, even at that young age, you know, having to move from like a pretty, it sounds like stable, chill, uh, upbringing in Brooklyn to uh, living in a shelter for nine months and then transitioning to living in the projects in Staten Island and the changes you saw in yourself and perhaps your mother and the, the change in the community to, you know, kind of uh, get having your your well, it wasn't your dream, but your mother's dream for you of nursing uh, kind of be um, taken away from you temporarily in high school during the cr- program, but then, you know, going to appease her and uh, pursuing the, the 
uh, nursing program in college for a year, like, and then getting to like be on out on your own. You're you're a working young woman on your own, living with a friend. Like, how did you make sense of the world? Like, how did you understand things at that point in your life? Um, at that point in my life, well, even though I had the freedom, like living with my friend, it was mm-hmm. my best friend. Um, me and her had this like the same kind of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very smart, but she also wanted to be very creative, and mm-hmm. she didn't want to be in school. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we had the freedom, it still wasn't easy. So, what I, do you mean? Um, us living together. I remember days where like we couldn't even eat mm. and we were starving. Yeah. And like <laughs> I would be like it would be like the third day and sh- and I'll be like I'm just gonna call my dad, Brianna. <laughs> Let him send me some money. Yeah. And um and so like I I think that those those moments it made me understand why my mom wanted so much stability for me, mm-hmm. but I still didn't want to be a nurse. <laughs> uh, sure. What were you doing for work at, around this time? I started working at Macy's. Mm-hmm. And then my Macy's position was seasonal. And then I believe I started working at Easy Pass. Mm-hmm. The toll? Um, no, not the toll. The call center on Staten Island. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And like was was how would you describe life at this time like was it cool because i got a boo and like you know so i i ain't got to be up under my mama all day every day i have some level of independence but i have the safe like knowing comfort of of home with my parents like what was or my parent what what was that like yeah it was a happy time yeah i think how you described it i was like you know a little bit of freedom with little responsibility for my job Mm -hmm. um paying my own phone bill um i believe i was like 19 at the time Mm -hmm. um and i just but still and not everyone knowing but like still in the back of my head like still wanting to express my creative side like i still don't even want to be at easy pass Mm, i see like still hoping that one day maybe i could get to where i exactly want to be which was at that time um anything to do with being creative just being paid to be creative (laughs) i think i have a problem because i'm a leo (laughs) no (laughs) just like i just want to just be a creative person sure 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 sure. oh interesting okay but you but you kind of put that on hold to just like work and just survive maintain um were you did you did you and this is this is going to sound like a silly question did you enjoy the working environments and the jobs that you had started to get um you know since graduating high school like were there any particular experiences that like stood out to you um in any job that was either like really good or really weird or really bad like were were some thoughts kind of starting to form around like your how your relation to having a job do you understand what i'm saying yeah okay um yeah actually when i started working at easy pass mm-hmm. because um at easy pass it was kind of like um you work there for like a certain amount of time mm-hmm. and then you're eligible to become permanent mm-hmm. and then be established in a union. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I'm like, because at that moment, like my mom's already a part of 1199 ah. being a surgical tech. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think even no a nurse at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so I'm like, well, I would like to stay long enough. <laughs> To be a part of the union. To be a part of the union at Easy Pass, but I don't think I can last there. I don't. Uh, and um, why did you? Why? What was your understanding of what it meant to be a part of a union at that point? Like as a as a result of observing your mother's union membership and or just how they messaged to you what the Easy Pass uh, 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 union membership would mean. Like what did? How did you understand that? Um. I think it, I think one of the main things I always thought about when it came to unions was that um oh with eleven ninety nine and my mom her having like good health care mm. yeah that was the biggest thing for you that was the biggest thing for me good health care um and because I don't have the mom right now but I'm blind as a bat mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Wait, really I'm blind like I'm always walking around like this and I was like Angie just stop <laughs> she's squinting her eyes right now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that one, that was one thing, and then um, I knew that 
if I stayed there long enough and I became permanent, mm-hmm. um, I also got a pay raise. Mm. So I think that was something that the union contributed to. So you're so you were interested in, but you didn't know if you could last long enough to make it to being a part of the union at Easy Pass, uh, a pay raise, which everybody wants, and good health insurance. Okay, what was did you was there anything else about unions that you kind of understood or picked up or like would overhear as a result of your mom being in eleven ninety nine or? Yeah. Um, well, my mom. One thing I could say about her is like she really knows how to keep a job, <laughs> and like mm-hmm. she she doesn't really get um, reprimanded for anything. Like she does her job good. She never she's never late. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know much about like unions fight, helping you like you know keep your job or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing I did know is that um, <laughs> especially those weeks in high school where she would stay home for two weeks in a row <laughs> and mess up my flow. That's right. That's right. <laughs> of freedom. <laughs> Right. That um she got good vacation time. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. All right. So you had a would you say you had a positive view of unions um uh, when you became working age? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Easy Pass was your first opportunity to be a part of one potentially if yes. you could stay during the trial period. Mm-hmm. Okay. How long did you end up staying at Easy Pass? I think I was there like right before I I was able to get into the union. Mm-hmm. So I I believe it was like 6 months I was there for if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I got fired. You got fired? For what? Because they monitored one of my calls and they said I was too aggressive with someone on the phone. Oh, okay. And you're you're getting fired. Like, did you did you think that that was unfair? Did you want them to like hear you out? Did you like did you think that was warranted? Yeah, I was I was kind of sad because I know like I could have worked at some I mean because I was a cashier at my dad's supermarket and I was on my feet all day Mm -hmm. so I knew like it it wasn't that bad of a job but the people were like on the phone they were like crazy horrible and crazy yeah yeah and I knew I deserved to get fired ah you deserve that's a strong (laughs) word you you mean when you say that do you mean like you understand you understand why someone would listen to that and like fire you or like you really felt like, yeah, this is appropriate. Like, I should be fired. Yeah, why someone would listen to the okay, call and okay. be like, huh, she's she's a little too much right now. I, I see, I see. Okay, huh. Okay, so now you need a job. You you got fired from Easy Pass. What's what's happening? What's what's the game plan? Hmm. I think um, I got fired from Easy Pass. Um, oh yeah, I remember. Um, <clears throat> so. Um, at this point, I'm still with my boyfriend, mm-hmm. and um, we actually moved to the Bronx. Oh, okay, together. Together. Okay. Um, his friend had a had an extra room, and he rented out a room from his friend. Mm-hmm. And um, his friend also got me, also hooked me up with a job selling tickets for the Statue of Liberty down oh. here at Bowling Green. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. How long did you have that job? I had that job for, it was like, it was, I think it was almost for a year, Mm. honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you wanted to leave that? You were over it? Um, yeah, I was over it. Okay. Okay. So what was next? Um, and then I got, I believe, and then I got pregnant. Okay. I got pregnant and, um. I was a very sick when I was pregnant. Ooh. Oh God. Yeah. I Terrible was like, morning sickness. T- it was like from the time I found out from the day I gave birth, mm. I threw up every single day. Seriously. Every day. Every day I couldn't eat anything. I didn't gain any weight. Seriously. Cause no. you couldn't keep anything down. I couldn't keep anything down. Ah. Not even my prenatal vitamins. Oh like, God. So it was awful. It was miserable. It was the most miserable thing I've ever experienced in my life. Oh, God. What did you do for, how did you guys manage you getting the medical care that you needed to, like, handle your your being so sick? Um, It was, I think it was, um, what is it called? Medicaid? Okay. Yeah, you, Medicaid. Okay, you guys were able to, okay. okay. All right. Um, But were you able to work while you were pregnant? Because nope. you, you just couldn't even operate. No. Nope. So you were living on one salary, your boyfriend's salary, mm-hmm. renting out a room in his friend's house. Okay, this sounds very difficult. Um, other than you being sick, which 
sounds fucking awful. Like, what was this time like? Was it like, were you nervous? Were you scared? Were you happy? Just like, you know, I, you know one day I won't be sick and, you know, I'll be a mom and we'll figure it out. Or, mm-hmm. or were you like kind of nervous or, or like uh, unsure? I don't know what was going on. Um, I, yeah, I had the mindset of one day I'll be a mom and I'll be back to normal. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, for the most part, I'm a very like independent person. Mm-hmm. I don't like to ask people for money and mm-hmm. I don't. So um, that was a very difficult time for me too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, and, and, and I know, especially like now that I'm older too, a little bit older, I know that... Um, you know, sometimes a woman they they get to they get to lay back and relax and be pregnant. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I think I was just still a little bit younger. It was just like, no, I need to go to work. I'm like just feeling bad. Mm. And um, yeah, I think that kind of like that kind of made me a little bit nervous. That part, not being able to work. I see, because you were dependent on other people then, right? And that that was like a hell no for somebody who's so independent and used to like being able to figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh God, I, I one hundred percent, I understand this. Um, okay, and the, but eventually you give birth, and mm-hmm. the nausea clears up. I hope at this point. And did you were you able to, uh, like, were you did you have to immediately go find a job, or were you able to take a little bit of time off before like finding a job, or was it just kind of like a heck? Yeah. So, um, I, if I could remember clearly, um. I, I had the option to stay home, mm-hmm. but um, I think I started what I started doing because I was breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So what I started doing was um, it was a, a app that you can like pick up jobs like as the days go. Mm-hmm. So I started doing an app like that, and then I I worked for like a few companies doing um, jobs by the day. Okay, like temp work. Right. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And that worked out for you well. The baby was little. You were still nursing. It gave you, like, the flexibility you needed to, like, handle everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you? Are there any particular ideas about yourself, the world, I don't know, your community that are, like, changing around this time? Or, or, you're, you're, or you're just trying to make it day-to-day, just surviving? You know what I mean? Like, do you, like... For instance, and I'm not saying that this was the case, but for instance, like, you know, you, when you were in the throes of, you know, having terrible nausea while you were pregnant and not really being able to work because you were so sick, like, were you thinking, like, how, like, how the fuck is someone supposed to survive? Like, I, you know, you were lucky enough to have a boyfriend who, you, you know, was able to, like, you guys were able to figure out finances that way, but, like, what the fuck are single women who are this sick supposed to do? Like you, what are you going to be out on the street because you can't work, but you're pregnant? You know what I mean? Like, were there, were there, were there any like ideas that you were, that were kind of uh, maybe just occurring to you or you were thinking about deeply around this time as you're making the transition into motherhood? That's a problem that I have in general. Like I wasn't really thinking about myself. So Uh. maybe, maybe my concern wasn't like, what do women like that are this sick have to, you know, mm-hmm. how do they get support? Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted my baby to be okay. Like sure, I was sure. like, I'm this sick every day. Something's going to be wrong with him. Mm. Thankfully, nothing was wrong with him. Yeah, thank God. But um, I, I think just like, um, like even now with the union stuff that I do, um, I'm, I've always like just really liked kids. Mm-hmm. And so um, just like, wow, I wonder, just curious about like, I wonder what my child was doing in there that I was so freaking sick. Yeah. Like, what are these babies be doing in there? <laughs> like, and then um, I guess, like, um, like even now, I, I try to be, like, the advocate or, like, the spokesperson for women like me mm-hmm. who are single moms and they can't really... Um, they can't really use their voice or don't have the time to use their voice. Mm-hmm. Um so I try to speak for them, but then I also try to speak for their kids too, mm. because I know what it feels like right now to be in their position. I know what it feels like to, um, even like just the background. Sometimes mm. I think a lot of a lot of the times, you know, people. I don't sometimes I I, I want to say surprisingly, but then I don't. They look at me and won't 
when they find out the smallest thing from my background, they're just so surprised. Like, hmm. like I, I wouldn't believe, Angie, you came from the project. So I wouldn't believe, Angie, that you lived in a shelter at mm. one point. Mm. So I think, like, and when I when I when I get to speaking and and I'm and I become vulnerable um it it kind of makes me proud when you could when you can see how other women can relate to you ah okay in whichever way because why is that important and what or why does that make you proud because I feel like I'm like I'm just like that child from my family who's just different and not scared to tell her story and not mm. scared to let people know where she came from. I see. Because there's not because where you like there's something else here. Go ahead. Why uh, is it important to not be afraid to tell your story and and tell where you came from? Because I would say um because it it is it is who I am, but unfortunately at some point I was a product of my environment mm-hmm. and I think that um, a lot of a lot of people who aren't in our shoes, um, as far as like these big corporations, mm-hmm. they try to um, they try to make us really like conform and feel like they're giving us the best of the best. And sometimes it's where we come from that gives us that power that we have. Ah. Ah, okay, you're okay. You're you're there now. What mm-hmm. um? Tell me what you mean by that. Can I can I can I repeat back uh-huh. to you what I think I understand you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I think what you're saying is you. It makes you very proud to when you're when you have the opportunity to tell your story and let people know that you know like shit hasn't always been sweet for me. Like you know I there were some rough periods in my life, but. Um, you know, I'm able to be here as, you know, a young woman, as a worker, as a as a single mother, um, and still, you know, make a difference in life on my terms. And, you know, that, that makes you proud to be able to say that because sometimes, you know, people who come from um, uh, challenging situations or there were, there were difficult instances in their upbringing, like that can be a source of uh, shame or, or prompt you to maybe hide certain parts of your background and then you as an adult when you when you get into these uh uh, these different environments like a corporate environment who you know want you to feel you know want you to like be on your knees groveling like oh aren't you so great aren't you doing all these things for me aren't you so wonderful and you know you little you know project girl it's like wait hold on just because just because this is where I grew up, that doesn't mean that I don't have value. That doesn't mean that I don't matter in this context or any other. Um, as a matter of fact, I know how to move differently because of that. And and what you don't know is that that's that's actually um, that actually puts me in a in a uh, less um, powerless position. Is is that a decent summation of what I think I understand you to be saying definitely okay one of those 10 jobs that I was getting through the app on on from the app store the iPhone app mm-hmm. um they had actually hired me permanently oh okay and it was it was kind of like a dry cleaning um like a dry cleaning kind of thing that was in where is that is that Bushwick in Bushwick mm-hmm. um I think Varick Street mm-hmm. and um they were called the name of it was cleanly and it was um i would go there it was like in a, a little a little warehouse and um people they would pick up clothes from people's homes mm-hmm. in this purple van mm-hmm. bring it to the warehouse we would have to sort it out for it to then be transported to wherever they dry clean mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and um i worked there overnights ooh yeah i worked there overnights mm. and um I would travel from Staten Island to my job. So that would be a ferry and I believe two trains bah. to get to my job. Because you moved back in with your mom in yeah. Staten Island. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, we not with we not with boyfriend, baby daddy no more. We're back home. And now you're taking overnight work for a, a, like a dry cleaning app service or whatever. How what? How did you how did you work overnights and still like uh, like uh, be awake during the day to like take care of your child like what was that like um so so me and my child's father we were still off and on at that point mm-hmm. 
So um, there was a moment where we, we were together, and especially when I first started the job. Mm-hmm. So when I first started, um, I would be home in the daytime. He would be at work, and then he would stay with the baby, and I would go to work. Mm-hmm. And um, he would come to my mom's house and do that because mm-hmm. I had went back to my mom's house. And um, so at first there was... It, it was kind of easy. Because mm-hmm. um, you trade off with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was still difficult because by the time I came home, sometimes I wouldn't pump enough breast milk. So I would have to stay up, breastfeed. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, you were, so, so the baby was little still while you took this job. Um, I think I stopped breastfeeding at like six, seven months. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so you were, so you were still trying to nurse when you took the job, mm-hmm. but it got difficult because you were working and that, that then begets you know, that's not as easy chaotic, to do. Yeah. yeah, it gets chaotic. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then what? And then, um, and so I, the job, it was, it was an okay job. It was like very late, like labored job. It was a very labored job. Um, I had to like, like labor intensive. Yeah. It was a extremely labored job. Mm-hmm. I would have to like pick up these 30 pound bags of clothes mm-hmm. from the client and they were like extremely filthy clothes, Ugh. like, like nasty, disgusting, full mm. of like dog hair and like pumps <laughs> of it. And I didn't know like <laughs> what people were doing. Uh, right, right. And um, so were you like schlepping back like these heavy ass bags all over the warehouse to like get it to the station to sort or whatever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had to like weigh the bags. And then, um, then I'll have to take all these clothes out and sort them one by one. And it was just like, but the only thing that I did like about it is that I didn't really have to speak to customers because I am kind of antisocial. Okay. I'm, I'm antisocial I'm, or shy. Um, or introverted. I, I, I think introverted. Okay. Okay. I think introverted. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I kind of liked it because I didn't really have to speak to customers that much, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't like it because of the travel and then... That sounds awful. Yeah. It's a, was it like more than an hour each way to, to get oh, to and from work? Yeah. Some, I think sometimes it'll be like two hours. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Two hours and then you're mm-hmm. picking fucking dog hair out of all these random people's clothes yes. and like, you know, lugging, lugging. The, okay. It sounds Especially not in the winter time because the way the warehouse was set up, it, it would be like a gate that went up, mm-hmm. but it was not like in a building. It was like at the ground floor with the gate up. So it in was the cold. winter time, it'll be extremely cold. Aye. So I'll be bundled up trying mm-hmm. to like, you know, trying to stay warm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... And then, so, like, in everything I do, like, I, for the most part, I'm extremely hard worker. Mm-hmm. So, I remember there was one point where, like, everyone thought I was going to do all the work. Mm-hmm. And they had me wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and one day, like, I just was off. And the next day I had work and I never went back. Ooh, because you're just like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is, no. Mm-hmm. Is was it Was it the conditions? Was it the pay? Was it... Um, was it the, uh, like the, the ease with which your, your coworkers could like put more on you? Was it all of it? Like it was all of it. Mm -hmm. I think at that job I was probably making, and I don't want to make things up because this is 2018, but I think I was making like 13 an hour for all of that, for all of that on an overnight shift on an overnight shift. Yeah. And, and that what made it. That's what made it easy to walk away. That's it's like, what, made it easy to walk what away. the fuck is this? Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And mm-hmm. so you, so you left that job, and and then someone put you on to to Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Well, My friend, um, she was like, Angie, you know, they just they're opening an Amazon on um on Staten Island. You should apply. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Working at Amazon, that actually sounds cool. Oh, you thought it sounded cool? I thought it sounded Why? cool. Why? What, like, what about it sounded cool at that time? Um, so, well, d- during these temp jobs, mm-hmm. I had worked at one um, warehouse um, for a company named Quip. It was a toothbrush company. Yep. And um, I also worked at another company uh, for another company in a warehouse, and that was Supreme, the clothing line. Mm-hmm. So I was like, and, and neither of them were 
were too bad, but I think that looking back now, how how I would distinguish it was that um, I wasn't a full time employee at, at neither of those jobs, mm-hmm. so I wasn't working there like ten twelve hour shifts and mm-hmm. like every day mm-hmm. like four days in a row. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really look at it as that bad. I just looked at it like I'm here for the day, making money, mm-hmm. then pick up another job somewhere else. Mm. So um, once I got to Amazon, I'm like, oh, cool. I'm working for another cool company again. Like, you know, I'm trying to make some money. And was it, were these warehouse jobs, were they attractive to you because you didn't have to do, be customer facing and you didn't like, you know, have to maybe get fired for talking a little rough to somebody over the phone. (laughs) Like you did it easy fast. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So you were, so you were kind of excited about working at Amazon. Like, okay, I've had, I've worked in warehouses before. Like was, was the, did you know anything else about working there? Like, was the pay particularly attractive when your friend, your homegirl was talking to you about it or the benefits or, or I don't know what, like what, or was it just like, okay, here's a job. I I think I could do it and I'm going to apply and see. Like, Yeah. Um, it, it, it was really the pay once, um, once she told me, I think, I, I think she was like, I, I know they're paying over $15 an hour. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if I don't have to travel all the way to the city, yeah. $15 right now, I don't have a job that would be okay. Because mm-hmm. you, you know? just was making 13 Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I go on the website and I find an overnight shift, which was, it, I kind of wanted a day shift, but I said, let me stick to the overnight because I already have that schedule. Okay. You're like, you have place. that rhythm. Right. You didn't want to change? Um. I kind of did, Mm -hmm. but I think one thing that made me stick to the overtime was um, when I seen the pay and the differential that Amazon was Ah, offering. So I think um, at the time in 2018, they were starting people off with like $15 an hour, but there was a $3.50 differential if you worked that night. I see. So you're making closer to 20 if you were working the overnight. Right. Okay. And so you're thinking like, I'm already used to this. It's good money. Let me just do overnight shift. Yep. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So you applied and... Applied, got the job. Um, I think I was making like $300 more. Uh, every pay every check? Every paycheck. And did that make a huge difference for you? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that made it worth it. It made it worth it. Okay. Yep. Okay. It, it, it did. Um it actually made it worth it to the point where I um, started buying supplies so I can become a nail tech. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. that was, so was that your plan? Like I'm going to work here. I'm going to stack my cash a little bit and then I'm going to become a nail tech. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was my plan. Okay. All right. All right. Um, and this is, this is the fall of 2018 that you started there. And did you have like an exit plan? Like I'm working for a year and then I'm going to be gone to, to be a nail tech. Um, I think when I first started working at Amazon, I, I the nail tech thing didn't come up in my head yet. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my friend, we were like, oh, we, like discussing like, you know, um, our YouTube channels and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to like find creative things for that. And and um, I think once I started working, and I was just so tired all the time. Of course, <laughs> I thought I was tired. I cleanly. Uh- <laughs> I was like, this is torture. Oh, no. Amazon. Not Amazon. Oh, oh, oh. And the story gets real damn interesting from here. There was so much that she had to say the good, the bad, and the ugly of this organizing effort, that there's a bonus segment up on the Patreon in addition to her part two. Trust me, you want to hear this. Part two and the bonus are up right now on the Patreon at patreon.com slash what's left to do. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash what's left to do. If Patreon isn't your thing and you'd still like to support this work, you can go to whatsleftodo.com slash support and leave us a donation in the tip jar. Okay, see you over on Patreon. Mm-hmm.